Sometimes I think we come in to this place and we leave our stories outside. Sometimes I think we come in here and we try to separate ourselves from the things that have kept us bound up all week, from the things that have been on our minds all week. So I want us just to take just a few moments and we're going to quiet ourselves. I know that's almost as scary as talking to somebody else. We're just going to be quiet for a few moments and we're going to listen for God. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to go through your past week. Just kind of look through what has happened in the past week. I want you to ask God to bring those things to your mind that are taking up the bulk of your thoughts. What are those things that you're thinking about constantly? Those things that you're celebrating or that you're worried about? Let God examine your heart. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Spirit, we pray that in the quietness of these few moments that you would bring to our minds those things that we've been thinking about all week, those stories that we've been telling ourselves. Give us the courage to bring them to this place. And as you think about these things that have taken up your thoughts this week, begin to ask yourself, what are the stories that I'm telling in my own mind, in my own heart? What are the things I'm hearing that inform these stories? Am I hearing messages like, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm a fraud and they're going to find me out. Maybe you're hearing, I haven't been a good parent. Or I'm scared about what the future holds. Maybe you're hearing, I'll never get myself out of this financial bind I've fallen into. Maybe I'll never overcome this bad habit. Maybe I'll never be delivered from this addiction. Sometimes these stories become the meditations of our heart. These things that we hear over and over and over again throughout the week become the stories that shape us. 
become the stories we tell ourselves and eventually live into. And sometimes those stories change. Sometimes they're deeply rooted and have been there for a long time and we hear them over and over and over again. Other times the stories change with the seasons of life. And one of the things that the Psalms do for us is they give us different meditations. They give us different stories to tell ourselves. They paint the world in a different light. They paint a different picture. And over the coming months, we're going to look at some of the Psalms through different seasons of life. And we're going to try to change those meditations of our hearts. We're going to try to live into the story of God, to lean into it like Jordan was talking a little bit a little while ago. And we're going to start at the beginning. It makes sense, right? We're going to start with Psalm 1. And the psalmist at the beginning of this psalm, this is, this is one of those psalms that over the years I've read it over and over and over again, and at some point you go, uh, okay, I get it, right? Do this, then this happens. Don't do this, then this doesn't happen, right? It's, it's a, a wisdom psalm. Live this way, these things happen. Check. But I wonder if at the beginning of this psalm, the psalmist is painting a picture for us. I've often read these words, blessed are those who do not, they do not walk in the way of the wicked. They don't stand around with sinners. They don't sit in the seats of the scoffers. Blessed are those people. And I often get a picture of like what we saw in the scripture video, right? an individual person standing by themselves trying to stay away from those other people. Have you gotten this picture from Psalm 1 before? I wonder if the psalmist is painting a little different picture for us here. I wonder, as I read at this time, I imagined this blessed person, this person who is experiencing the joy of the Lord in a busy marketplace. And they're roaming around amongst, surrounded by people, there are people everywhere. And blessed is the person who is in this space who is not walking in the way of the wicked or standing around with sinners or sitting in the seat of scoffers. And that's a little bit different picture for me. It frames it a little bit differently because it doesn't take me out of the world. Right? It puts me right smack dab in the middle of everything else that is going on. And yet my way somehow, the way of the person who is blessed is different. The way that I walk, the direction I take, the choices I make in life somehow stand out from the way of sinners. I don't stand around and talk and get settled in the way that, that, that seems right to the world. I don't take root there. I don't sit in the seat of scoffers. This might be a picture of, of kind of the city leaders who sat at the gate of the city. And they made judgments and they discussed silly city politics. Not silly politics, city politics. Maybe silly. 
And they, and they make decisions and they sit in judgment of others. And I'm not sitting in that place of the scornful, sitting around and judging everyone else. Blessed is that person. And I think sometimes I read this story and, and it, it frames it as wicked sinners and scoffers, right? That's pretty extreme. I think I'm doing all right. You? Yeah, no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sometimes we look at those words and it's easy to disassociate ourselves, right? But sometimes when we're walking around in that public square, we're beginning to be formed by what's happening around us. And if we're not self-reflective and if we're not reflective on the word of God, we begin to be formed by it. We're formed, we're formed originally by our families of origin, right? Most kids think their family, the way they do things, that's just, the, that's how everybody does it. If you ever talk to a kid who's grown up in a house and maybe they've never spent the night somewhere else and then all of a sudden they go to a friend's house and they come home and their mind is blown, right? Do you, can you believe what they did? They did this and that and the other. That's not what we do at our house. We're formed by those families of origin. As we become teenagers, we start to fight against that, right? That's why so many of you, God bless you, I'm with you, are in that wrestling match with your teenagers because they're trying to separate themselves. They're trying to say, okay, mom and dad might not be the only way. So let's explore what else might be out there. And so they begin to wrestle back and forth with, with kind of the way they've been formed over the years. But oftentimes we carry that stuff with us throughout our lives and we assume that the way of our family of origin is the right way. <laughs> Some of us are wholeheartedly sold out on that. <laughs> We're formed by our careers, by the way we spend most of our time. If I talk to a, a nurse or a doctor or someone in the health field, they have, a pers they have a certain perspective on the world because of the people they see on a regular basis. That might be different than the perspective on the world that someone who is a, a business leader or an accountant might see the world, which is gonna be different than the way someone who is in uh, the social sciences might see the world or an educator I see the world. We're formed by those places where we spend the most of our time. It begins to transform how we think, how we respond, how we act. We're formed by our tribes, those groups of people that we tend to spend the most time with, those groups of people that we have things in common with. Those tribes can be as small as a small group. It can be as large as a nation. And we begin to take what they say as the truth all the time without introspection, without thought. We're formed by the things that we input, what we look at, what we hear, what we read. I know people who watch the news 24-7, and you can tell how formed they are 
by what they're seeing, some of them get cynical, angry, hopeless. And you can tell which news station they're watching. We are formed by those places in which we walk, and the psalm reminds us that blessed are those who don't walk and stand and sit just out of reaction, just because this is the way it is, because this is the way the world works. The people who fall into that trap, the psalmist says, are like chaff. Have any idea what chaff is? It's like, this psalm always reminds me of the song, Dust in the Wind. You know that one? I'm not going to sing it for you. But like this, this unrooted lack of strength that just flows here and there, goes wherever the wind blows. And sometimes I, I see people like that. They just move from one thing to the next, not because they're driven, although it looks like that sometimes, not because they want to accomplish things, although it looks like that sometimes, but because they're trying to fill some sort of hole. They're trying to overcome the story that they've been telling themselves. And so they just jump from one thing to the next, whichever, whichever the way the wind blows. I've discovered I can do this, Right? Over the years, I had this, I had, years ago, it's going away. I had this dumb dream of opening this little business, right? And I found that over the years, when I would start to think about that a lot, I'd start to think about, you know, oh, maybe I'll just go open a little small business. Whenever that started to cross my mind often, I knew to check my heart. It began to trigger me that there was something spiritually going on. Because I'm like chaff getting blown about. I've seen people work with, their, with religious fervor like chaff. And they just go from one ministry to the next, not because they want to work for God, but because they just need to do something to fill the hole inside, to overcome whatever narrative they've been told that they aren't good enough or they'll never accomplish anything. And I'm also seeing, it used to be, it's so strange. It, I'm old enough to have seen, I'm not that old, but I'm old enough to have seen some changes. And there, things are changing more and more quickly. Has anybody else noticed this? Or maybe that's my age. Like it used to feel like the, the, the values and the, not the values, but like what I'm really concerned about as a culture, what we're really dialed in on, would change about a generation right? Like this generation will be really focused on this particular thing. And as the next generation come up, comes up, that, that focus would shift to something else, right? With the joys of social media, I'm watching everyone's care shift from week to week. Preacher Twitter is crazy to watch. I bet you didn't know that existed, did you? But like every week, someone will be tweeting about, Pastor, if you're not saying this from the pulpit this week, you're not fulfilling the good news of the gospel. And it changes all the time. 
That's chaff blown about by the wind. But the psalmist paints another way. A tree planted by streams of water. What's the difference between chaff and a tree? Chaff flies about. A tree stays. It's rooted. It's strong. You notice the psalmist does not say the storm won't come. The wind won't blow. The psalmist doesn't say that. The psalmist says you will be like a tree. So when the wind does blow, when the storm does come, there's strength. There's hope. There's flourishing. And this tree that is planted by the water bears fruit, fruit that will last, beautiful fruit. And the way will prosper. Now, this is one of those times where we may need to read the passage outside of our Western context, right? Because when we think of prosper, what do we often think of? Wow, you guys, you came right at it. Money. Right? Prosper means I don't have to worry about anything because all my bills are paid and I've got money in, in, in storage. I'm stored up for the winter. I'm ready to go. That's prospering. But the fruit that the scriptures talk about is fruit that will last. Fruit is not the end goal, by the way. Because what happens with fruit in nature comes off the tree and starts new life. The fruit reproduces. The fruit leaves a legacy. So often we get caught up in what happens right now. We get caught up in what I can accomplish in my lifetime. And the fruit of this type of tree reproduces itself. It continues to grow and expand and change. Great, Eric. We don't want to be chaff. Got it. Want to be a tree. Heard that metaphor before. Awesome. Now what? <laughs> and this is where God had to rattle my cage a little bit this week. Because the crux of the passage is in verse 2. This blessed person who lives a different way, what do they do? They delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Oh, great. Discipleship pastor staying on brand. <clears throat> The delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Now, here was, here's been my problem over the years with this verse and verses like it, is that when I hear the phrase, law of the Lord, what comes into your head? Rules, uh, checklists. This week I had the image of Ikea furniture instructions. 
these do not give me delight. And so I've had to wrestle with the idea that we are to delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. And here's where God shook me up a little. He reminded me of something. God reminded me that when we talk of the law of the Lord, we need to remember the entire context. If you've ever started your reading the Bible through a year, which, you know, all good Christians have, obviously. I'm kidding. <clears throat> you, get, you, you, you stay pretty strong through Genesis, right? Some good stories in there. You might skim over the genealogies, but you get there. You hit Exodus, really good stories at the beginning. You get those wilderness wanderings, the parting of the Red Sea. I mean, come on. I can do that. You get towards the end of the Exodus, they start talking about building a tabernacle. All right. Then you hit what? Leviticus. Come on. Some of y'all have tried to read the Bible through a year. You get the Leviticus. Numbers. <laughs> Only the CPAs are excited about the book of Numbers. <laughs> and Deuteronomy. And oftentimes, I think studies show this. I don't have them to cite, so forgive me. But this is where people, if they try to read through the Bible from front to back, get hung up. And I wonder if that's because we get to that section and we start reading it like it's Ikea furniture instructions. Instead of reading it through the lens of this is the law, this is the way of the people of God, but it can only be properly read by looking at it through the character of the lawgiver. I can only truly understand it and begin to live into it if I look at it in light of the nature and character of the lawgiver. You see, the law was not given in a vacuum. It was given in the midst of covenant. It was given in the midst of promise where God said, I will take you to a new land. You will be my people and I will be your God. And as I think about this passage in the Psalms, it says, I will delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. I think the call is to, yes, think about the way that the people of God are supposed to go, but always, always, always think about that way in light, the character and the nature of the lawgiver, the lawgiver who though he was with God 
did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but humbled himself, became a servant. The lawgiver who came and walked among his people, rejoicing with those who rejoice and mourning with those who mourn. The lawgiver who cried with those who had lost and celebrates with those who have won. The lawgiver who gave himself up for the sake of his sons and daughters. Became a servant to death, even death on a cross. The lawgiver who overcame death, who overcame hell, who overcame the grave, and who overcame sin. The lawgiver who was raised from the dead and went back to his sons and daughters, teaching them, showing them the new way. And the lawgiver who is now ascended, seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for his children. The lawgiver who will one day return to gather up his sons and daughters and to make all things new. Blessed are those who delight in the law of the Lord. Meditating on it day and night. This is the story we tell ourselves. This is the story that narrates our life. This is why we don't leave our other stuff out there it's why we bring it in with us, because we need to see those other things in the light of the story of the true lawgiver. We need to see our story in the light of the one who loves us beyond all that we can think or imagine. And when we meditate on the law of the Lord day and night, it isn't just a checklist. It isn't just so I can do the right things and say the right things and respond the right way. It is about sitting in the promises of the lawgiver. This is the beauty of the ascension, is that it reminds us that what God starts, God completes. God returns, Jesus returns to the Father and, and sits at his right hand, interceding for us. This is your story. This is your meditation. And as we go through this series, we want to remind ourselves of these meditations, these beautiful pictures of who God is.